Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today as usual. We've got our evening with medium events coming up on August 23rd and December 13th. Tickets are on sale and selling for both August and December, so you can head to the website bysarlow.com to nab those before they're gone. We have a second podcast show called Sips of Sanity, currently available only on the website by sarlow.com. That show is approximately 10 minutes long, and there are five that go together at the beginning of every month, Monday to Friday. We give you a topic on emotional or spiritual intelligence. It's a toolkit. You can go there to build your emotional intelligence. I'm going to back it up for two seconds and just update listeners that our June 7th evening with medium events has officially been canceled for reasons that we can't disclose. Um, But just in case you're wondering why it was advertised and now it's not, it is off the books. It's not happening. So your opportunities are for August and December this year. If you'd like to have your morning coffee with Kelly and I in a Bysarlo mug, you are welcome to go to the website by sarlo.com. You can purchase one there. And they're $15. And last but not least, we have gift certificates and personal sessions available for purchase. You can do that. Uh, send us a request via the website or call us directly. Gift certificates and personal sessions can be purchased and experienced from anywhere in the world. And those sessions are no less accurate, no less efficient, just as magical. Today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Carmen, and we're both very excited to have you here, Carmen. She's been a client of both of ours, and she's given us permission to say that, um, and a longtime listener of the show. And I think we receive an email every single week Mm -hmm. after we've aired a show on Saturday with some kind of wonderful feedback or questions or ideas for new shows uh, from Carmen. So this is really exciting. You're hijacking our show. And what are we talking about today? (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, Um, I'm very happy to be hijacking your show today. Um, I'm here because I'm very excited to be exploring this new endeavor with horses. Um, I work full time already with horses, but I've decided to become an advanced Epona Quest instructor. I recently graduated. um, So I can talk a little bit about what that means and how I got to this point. Wonderful. Okay, please do. Okay, so um, I'm going to go back in time a little bit just because I think perhaps people who may or may not have experience with horses think that you have to grow up around them to have some kind of life with them, and that's not always true. I grew up in Montreal. Um, I did not grow up around horses at all. I always loved animals. Um, I wanted to be a veterinarian for a long time, but let that dream go and started to pursue a path of working with people, working in social services. Oh, whoa. You went from horses to people? Well, animals. I I grew up around small animals mostly because I was in the city. But yes. (laughs) Some people are going to have a hard swallow on that one. (laughs) But I think it's because I have uh, a helping nature and I wanted to help animals, but I couldn't see myself in veterinary school for so long. I had a complete anxiety attack about that. So I changed course. So mm. helping people was the next best thing, so if you will. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think a lot of listeners will understand that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was studying social services and I had a major life event that really popped my people pleasing bubble. So I was studying social services at Dawson College, and there was a school shooting. And it completely changed my perspective on life. It got me in touch with mortality, um, Mm. got me in touch with what's important to me. 
And what was important to me was not to be in school anymore, to Mm. be in nature, to figure out a way to be surrounded by nature and out of the city. So I moved to Ontario. I thought I was going to be traveling across the country, but I ended up staying in Ontario. I was volunteering at a farm through the program called Woof. Yes. Yeah. Great. I'm so glad you know it. Yeah. And for our listeners, it's Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. So you can sign up for a country and get a whole list of farms and you can volunteer in exchange for room and board. So I was volunteering there. I expected to be there for two weeks. I ended up being there nearly two years. Oh. I felt I had so much to learn there. There were vegetable gardens, maple syrup, and of course, horses. And they completely captured me. Uh, They were the exact right resonance of energy for me to be around, for me to connect to, to connect to myself, to learn from that mirror, um, to really reflect back to me different challenges and areas that I needed to work on myself, um, to develop my own inner power in an authentic, compassionate way. Um, And I, I really fell in love with horses. I couldn't even see a future without them. It was completely blank if I even tried. Was there a particular horse? There was. Uh, there was a, a mare named, or Philly actually, meaning she was young. She was two years old. She was, her name was Contessa. And she was known to be honestly dangerous. She had a super feisty spirit and had learned that people were her play toy. Ooh. This farm had many horses on it, and unfortunately, many workers who did not know much about horses. And so the horses really learned that they could be in charge, and it became very dangerous because they were they're large beings. Wow. And they were young and thought it was such a fun game to play around with the humans. <laughs> this is really yeah. cool. Very interesting. You have my whole attention. Oh, great. I'm so glad. So one day, not knowing anything, I took Contessa from her stall and led her out to the paddock. And because I didn't know any better, um, I wasn't worried. Neither was she. We went out there. No problems happened. And the owner of the farm came running over to me and asked, are you okay? And I responded, well, yes, should I not be? And uh, she recognized in that moment that Contessa and I had a potential to work together. So she said, well, why don't you two work as a pair and she can kind of be your project horse and see what you guys can accomplish together. And looking back, I don't think I would ever put someone in that position who didn't know anything with a horse that truly didn't know anything about the human world either. That's good. It is. Yes. (laughs) I've, you know, but at the time I'm so grateful and it was perfect for me because it really launched my growth. And I worked with her to the point where Um, she wasn't as dangerous. I'll never say good because I didn't have the skill at that time to create that situation. However, really improved both of us. Mm. And a big part of my learning with her was helping her prepare for the farrier. And the farrier is someone who takes care of the horse's hooves. So it's kind of like an unofficial foot doctor for horses. Mm. Would that give them anxiety then? It could, absolutely. Okay. Some horses have no anxiety about it. They've been introduced to it very kindly with enough authority to make them feel safe. Um, other horses have tremendous anxiety about this. And for Contessa, it wasn't so much about anxiety as it was she didn't want anyone telling her what to do. I feel that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go and on. with the name, I think it's also a yeah. little bit apparent. Totally. Yep. Be careful what we name our animals. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
And um, when we pick up a horse's foot, we are asking them to agree that flight is no longer an option for them. I love that. Yes. Oh, that's poetic. (laughs) And some horses, that creates the anxiety because they're fearful that they cannot get away. Well, this is consent. It is consent. But other horses, they're angry because, again, consent, but a different perspective. They're angry because they don't want to agree that you're the leader. It's not because they necessarily feel afraid of the situation that they would want to flee from, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to give you the power. And if you don't have a healthy relationship with them, um, they're going to fight. So with Contessa, that was more her, that she was just angry about it. And she needed to have a true heart connection with someone to feel like she would be happy to relinquish that. I like her. Mm -hmm. Me too. Oh, I really like her. She was my first horse, even though I never owned her. She, her and I were deeply connected. I was going to ask if she was your first love. In a way. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Or, my or, first horse love, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was going to say, is she one of your first healthy loves? Because that's, that's a healthy boundary and a healthy teaching. I'll say no. I, I feel very grateful to have had some spectacular mentors in my life not always the closest to me regard you know regarding family at the time I have fantastic family as well but I yeah I've been very blessed with different people in my life to show me what a healthy relationship can look like Mm -hmm. um, and learning now in my life to really create those all around me not just Mm. the occasional mentor good Mm -hmm. okay so go on okay you've got her foot so So a big part of what my goal was with Contessa was to work with her enough that the farrier could come and instead of it being, oh my gosh, he's going to die and it's narrowly escaping death every time he has to take care of her feet to the point where maybe a bit of a struggle, but that's not so bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got to. And I actually um, got to the point where I was able to sell her for the woman, which completely broke my heart. She was for sale this whole time, um, oh. but it allowed her to get to the point where she was saleable, meaning she was actually behaving herself in a way that was respectful to people, that was interested in engaging, and that opened the door to her finding a marvelous home on uh, Manitoulin Island. And I still get notes from the woman about her. Well, you're, you're, you're going to teach her how she can connect because you're yes. talking about that she has to feel in her heart, a connection to the human so she can trust the human. Yes, exactly. And now she has the ability through that learning to connect to this family so that they can care for each other because it's not just about the people caring for the horse. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So well said. Um, Another gift that Contessa gave me through all this learning and stretching of myself is that through preparing her for the farrier visits, I got to know the farrier quite well. And him and I would chat at every time and he was really grateful for the work I was putting in with her and happy to see the progress. And even though it was clear I didn't have much horse experience other than this farm, it was quite the learning kick in the butt experience. So he saw this opportunity with me and offered me an apprenticeship. Wow. That makes me so happy. (laughs) It makes me so happy, too, because it's been 10 years now that I've been a farrier. 
oh okay <laughs> so you went yeah. the whole way i went the whole way so we were i was apprenticing for two years and i decided at the two-year point with him that we made good partners so we went into business together wow and we've been equal business partners for the last eight years congratulations thank you what a, that is a wonderful backstory <laughs> thank you Um, And I think all this is important because going into this new project that I'm going to talk about, it's really important, I think, to understand where I'm coming from as a farrier because I work with so many horses of such a range of personality and discipline and anxiety levels and Mm -hmm. anger and frustration. And also as as a farrier myself, it can be a very dangerous job. Mm -hmm. And so big challenge for me that continues to be but especially at the beginning was looking for ways to be able to work with horses especially in this capacity that made sure I kept my safety but also kept their integrity and dignity and a lot of the farrier world can be very heavy-handed and it's kind of expected that your farrier is going to be a bit rough with the horse sometimes and that's not how I want it to be And it's very hard to get the job done um, without being heavy handed, depending on the situation. And I was deeply searching for ways that I could learn more about horses in any capacity so that I could really understand them, connect with them and create a safe environment for both of us. So I read everything I could get my hands on and I watched all kinds of movies. I went to clinics. And I took riding lessons all over Ontario. I rode 75 horses in three years, um, really learning from everyone and every horse I possibly could. And a gift came to my doorstep uh, that was the book of this woman named Linda Kohanov. And of course, I take pieces from everything I've learned from and everyone. But this particular book touched me in a way that nothing else had. It verbalized, or in the written word, Um, everything I was trying to piece together in myself and it gave such clarity to what I was already experiencing and so I read all of her other books she has five books in total and I had these intentions and dreams of connecting my past of looking for these ways to help horses and people or animals and people and bringing them together and I knew that one day I would really get to that point I just had no idea how it would come to fruition Um, In the meantime, during all of these exploratory uh, information sessions and um, researching, my husband and I bought a farm. I adopted a horse. I, you know, there's a bunch of journey stuff there that I find wonderful and inspiring for myself, but it all kind of laid out this platform for me to come to the conclusion of, okay, it's time. It's time that I look more deeply into this next stage in my growth and this next stage stage of how I can give back to the world hopefully I like what you're doing Carmen because so many people think what's my purpose and they just want to get to the purpose Mm. they don't want to think that life has to occur and that all kinds of stuff good and bad difficult easy all of it has to happen for the purpose to actually present itself Mm. and in the North American culture we quite often have no patience for that Mm. and we don't understand the true value but you're talking about finding a partner you're talking about finding and building a farm and all of these things that had to occur and did so that you could get to that piece 
Exactly. And none of those things are small or insignificant. None. It's true. It's true. They've all required a tremendous amount of effort in all realms, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Well, and they all have to be connected because yes. you're a human doing this. Yes, absolutely. And and the beauty of working with horses is that I get my true mirror no matter where I'm at. So if I think I'm having a good day, they'll show me, actually, you're totally people-pleasing. Or, yes, <laughs> actually, you're just wearing this mask and you're really angry inside. And we're going to reflect all that back to you and make sure that you have a hard time getting your job done. So get it together or else I'm not cooperating. Well, and you know yep. what? Maybe if someone's listening and you have horses that can reflect that for you, then in other people's lives, is it their kids? Mm-hmm. Or is it is it their own pet, like their own dog or their own cat? what reflects it so you found what reflects it clearly i believe we all have something that does yes you're just saying that you saw it and you valued it and you paid attention and used it and i think other people think oh how lucky is carmen to know that and i think no 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 no, no, she worked her butt off this is not about luck thank you i really deeply appreciate that i'd like to challenge the listener Mm. to be able to say good for carmen for recognizing horses What's mine? Hmm. To be honest, um, I mean, I I absolutely can see how people don't take that perspective. I see it all the time. But for me, it felt like I had no choice. That's how strong the pull was that I had to do it because of my safety. I, I saw the link that was so clear between my own emotional intelligence, between my own social intelligence and my safety around the horses. And it was so like banging me on the forehead that if I didn't pay attention I felt like I was going to get seriously hurt and maybe not even make it so it was almost like a matter of life and death to figure this out I think that's fantastic and I think uh, in in my practice with coaching I see that in a lot of mothers where their kids like you're saying reflect that and they're having their temper tantrum they can't get themselves together and the mom's comments will be well fuck me too but you're having the tantrum and I'm not allowed to and then it's like the click of oh oh both of us okay I need to do something because I need to have the skills for the two of us exactly yeah we can't fool ourselves to think that we're not all connected and related Mm -hmm. so back to Linda Kohanov and her books when I came to the point where I realized yes this is the time this is the time where I need to start pursuing this more Um, Facebook of all places popped up this sponsored ad that one of her clinics had an opening and it was coming up very shortly and I was going to be in the United States anyway her farm or ranch is in Arizona and the clinic was all about nonviolent ways to deal with dominant horses and people (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) I had no choice again (laughs) Of course I had choice, but I, my, my soul was so strong that I felt like I had no choice. I had to go. So went to this clinic, went there with an open mind, knowing Linda, the author, may very well not be Linda, the human, and that was going to be okay. I was going to learn what I had to learn. But she truly walked her talk. She was an exceptional teacher. Uh, her horses were exceptionally happy and grateful to teach us what Uh, they were really there to teach us, which was how to be better human beings. And Linda has such an amazing toolkit for relating horse wisdom and science-based 
techniques to the human world and how to really apply them and integrate them into our day-to-day lives with other humans. And while I was down there, she approached me and said, you would be perfect for our apprenticeship program. Would you consider becoming an instructor? And I didn't know how I would be able to do it financially, time-wise, all this stuff. But again, it was one of these moments of, I have to do this. So I carried on. I went through the apprenticeship program, became an instructor, uh, carried on again, went back to become a mentor for a group going through one of her programs to become an advanced instructor. And now I'm back home uh, doing my best to put it into practice. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So I'm still a farrier, and I hope to be a farrier always, um, but I am going to be changing the balance a little bit. For instance, I'm doing a lot of this on weekends now and um, doing my best to teach different workshops and indoor workshops as well as ones with horses, um, private sessions, coaching, um, all of that with a little horse sense. So my new business is called True Presence Horse Sense, and I am sharing the techniques and principles of Linda Kohanov, and I am so excited to be doing that. That's amazing. So are you still in partnership with, um, yeah, okay. Yes, I am. Gentlemen. Yes, I am. Yes. So I have no intention of leaving the farrier world. I've gained a tremendous amount of knowledge from when I first began. I feel like I'm really helping the horses by doing their feet, by being part of their life that way. And I don't want to put that down. However, it is a very strenuous job. And I worked ridiculous hours, especially in the summertime. Um, And so this is going to bring a little bit more balance into my life and also, of course, propel me on this next journey forward where I really feel it's important to focus on. So I was so happy both of you uh, were allowing me to come on your podcast today because I thought one of the tools I could actually share with your audience um, is something called the emotional message chart and knowing how much you value emotional intelligence. Oh, I'm so touched. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought this could be a fun tool. So there's actually a chart, which I can leave with Karen and Kelly to show anyone who comes to see them. I won't have time to go over the entire chart on our podcast, but I can just give a little overview um, and the setup for it so that if anyone does see it more in detail, you'll know what to do with it. Okay. So to begin with, the way that we are inspired by how horses handle emotional intelligence is that um, they they seem to have almost this four-point method, not that they're thinking about it this way, but when we observe them, they have this four-point method of how to deal with emotions when they come up so that we can really start to use emotions as information instead of something that we over-express or suppress. And so when you see, for instance, a horse, a herd of horses grazing in the field and they sense that there's a predator nearby, they get that jolt of fear. So they're feeling the emotion in its purest form. Then they get the message from the emotion, which is, I need to leave. I need to put myself in a position of safety. Then the third is they actually take action. They do that. They run away or do whatever they need to do to make sure that they're safe. And the fourth piece, which I really need to work on sometimes, is to go back to grazing. So once we've actually felt the emotion, done something, gotten the message, and done something in response, we need to learn how to put it down and go back to grazing. So it's a way that we can look at emotions as not this 
I mean, I'm speaking to the preaching to the choir here, but <laughs> <laughs> looking at emotions not as something that it's just an annoying fact of life and that mm-hmm. we have to really just deal with, but actually that can be very helpful to us in how we're approaching a challenge or even just our day-to-day world. Mm-hmm. So the chart goes through um, different emotions and kind of pairs them up because there's certain emotions that feel really similar. And so it can be hard to get the appropriate message from those emotions when they feel so similar. So for instance, fear and vulnerability tend to elicit similar responses in us. And yet they have, according to this method of emotional intelligence, to get the specific message that's based on Carla McLaren's work as well, um, it, they have very different meanings. So for fear, it would be an external threat. What's the external threat? How do I put myself in that position of safety? Whereas vulnerability is more of an internal threat. You know, what are the beliefs, perceptions, behaviors that I have to look at here that are threatening my ability to be in a good place? I like that when I think of public speaking. Mm. When I think if you're public speaking, you're talking about fear. You may think it's fear that you feel. I'm afraid to public speak, but it's not. I'm vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So I might have internal dialogue that creates uncomfortable feelings, Mm -hmm. but it's not actually fear because the crowd isn't actually attacking me. And no one has actually died from public speaking. Well, thank you for that comment. Well, and I say it because that's what people feel. That's what they believe they feel is that they will die from the anxiety of public speaking. Yes. And there's no external threat. Your heart probably won't stop. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so there's four columns on the emotional message chart. So the first is the emotion in its purest form, which would be fear, for instance. The message is an intuitive, focused awareness of a threat to your well-being. And then there's a column for questions. And so we all know the value of asking good questions. That's my favorite. (laughs) Exactly. So the questions associated to fear are, what is a threat? What action must I take to move to a position of safety? And when we don't get the message and don't do something in response, that's when we get the intensifications. That's Mm -hmm. when we get worry, anxiety, confusion, confusion, dulling of the senses, panic, terror, dissociation. Um, And all those are listed in the fourth column as well. So that we know when there's an intensification going on, we need to backtrack a little and find out what the true message was. I think of people staying in a marriage where there's actually physical violence Mm -hmm. or sexual violence, where the fear really is another partner's behavior and that that is actually valid. Yes. And when you go into this second part where they're supposed to ask themselves these questions, they don't really take the time to seriously ask them to themselves or about their own children perhaps and again you're saying that it then intensifies the emotions and they stay in that intensity yes simultaneously dulling your senses and I find that to be fascinating and I know it's true I'm still fascinated by it that you can have an intensity of more anxiety day to day even though it might operate like at a 9 out of 10 every single day, you still dull your senses to the anxiety. Yes. So a lot of people will say, well, I don't have any. Hmm. Well, no, because it's been a 9 out of 10 for four years. Yes. 
we also work with horses, you know, things like setting boundaries and learning how to use our internal power scale. Our, we call it a power dial. And I'm bringing this up just in response to what you said, because something we speak about is learning how to use our power dial, so to speak, as a crescendo. And relating to what you were saying, it, you know, we kind of hit this level. So for instance, let's say we're trying to use our power to set a boundary with even another person. And let's say we're learning how to set a boundary with a horse and we're starting at our power dial of one and we move up to a two and a three and a four, but perhaps we're really uncomfortable going up any higher. And so we're staying at a four, at a four, at a four, at a four. Well, that's completely dulled the senses of what that four means. So whether it's our internal anxiety of whatever level that is of a four or a nine or a 10 and that dulling it, um, or whether it's the one that we're trying to convey a message to, when we stay at a certain level without any kind of clear movement, it kind of neutralizes it. So for that horse in that example, if you're at the four and you're four, 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 that's now become your one in the horse's eyes. Mm-hmm. So you have to get even bigger the next time. And so we can apply this, of course, to working with people or, or being with people or as a parenting, you know, setting a boundary with your kid and you have to set a boundary and kind of crescendo up the power level a little bit. If you get up to a three, four, five and you're stuck there, you're going to have to get so much bigger to actually make the result that you want. So getting back to the emotional message chart, um, you know, where I was talking about the intensifications of fear and for vulnerability, the intensifications are also panic. So when we're in those intensifications, it's really hard to differentiate. And that's why it's important to kind of backtrack and helpful to maybe have some kind of chart like like this um, to be able to see what the true message is. Because when we're in that intensification, our mind is not functioning at maximum capacity whatsoever. So another um, combination of emotions that we talk about are anger and frustration. They can feel really similar as well. But the difference is that anger is a physical or emotional boundary that's being crossed. That's what will elicit the anger response. Whereas frustration, um, it's that the action you're taking is not effective. But they can both intensify into rage. Hmm. (laughs) Yes, they can. And so the messages are so different, so the questions have to be different. Mm -hmm. So when we're feeling angry, what must be protected? What boundary must be established or restored? And for frustration, it would be, where is the block? What can I do differently? Who can I ask for ideas and or assistance? Mm -hmm. So really leading down completely different paths. But if if we're in a feeling of rage, well, I think we can all guess what happens there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's why we always say that if you're not asking the right question, then you can't make your move forward. Yes. And that's when people think they have, that's their block. Exactly. And also their paralysis. Yes. I know too, like if we're going into helping people, I've said this to those who have been in therapy for too many years. If you're in therapy for too many years, the therapist isn't asking the right questions or you haven't done your homework and gone home and asked the right questions. And there needs to be a reflection on that. Yes, absolutely. It's almost like the same scale problem again. You're kind of at the same number all the time and you haven't moved in either Mm -hmm. direction. Because the answers are there. Yes. And and everyone has the ability to solve those questions. They just need to be asked. Yeah. So what questions are being avoided or what answers are being avoided? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, the third emotion that we kind of lump in with anger and frustration is something, you know, that feels a bit like agitation or anxiety, but we can also call it the incongruence response. And I know this is a big thing for me. Um, this will come up when we're with someone, for instance, Aunt Mary, and Aunt Mary has this big smile plastered on her face, and you just kind of feel really angry with her. <laughs> yep. I like that she picked the name Mary. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I got that. That's calculated. <laughs> so the incongruence response is the person that we're interacting with is being incongruent. So their internal landscape is not matching their external. Yeah. And some people, that really kind of passes over their head. Um, I don't believe it does fully because there's actually research that shows that our heart rate elevates when we're in the presence of someone who's being incongruent. Mm -hmm. And that's because when we're incongruent, we're actually suppressing something whether it's intentional or not but it's taking extra effort for our body to hide it so our heart rate will elevate when we're being incongruent and that is contagious so it will affect everyone else in the room and will elevate their heart rate as well and so some people's response to that is to feel really really anxious or angry or whatever oh this is the lie detector exactly this is the lie detector perfect Mm -hmm. perfect and horses uh truly don't appreciate it either so when we're approaching a horse or i believe any animal um any being there's no hiding anything we may be really good at putting on a beautiful mask but it doesn't mean anything to those who are interacting with on a physical level and especially for those really connected to our physical selves like horses um there's no faking it there shouldn't be a need to Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be a need to if you are actually being authentic in the relationship, whether it's the horse, any other animal, or any human being around you. Yeah, I, I want to liken this to humans again, because I know a lot of people aren't horse people, and, and they're going to do their best to draw their parallels, but let's let's draw some for them. Um, I didn't know that it was possible to feel safe when I was angry Mm-hmm. for the longest time and and I think we can all experience that or know that experience for different reasons where we equate anger with not being loved mm-hmm. and it it took actually your divorce Karen um, for me to be in a household just with you to understand that I could be mad at you and know that you would still love me mm-hmm. or that you could be upset or disappointed with me and I would still be loved that we were going to be able to get past an emotion that we were bigger than the emotion itself our relationship and then it took actually years and years later being in a long-term relationship where enough trust and patience were established as a foundation where we could actually say out loud to each other I'm really angry at you right now but I do love you and we're going to be okay but I need time to be angry and I and we've said to each other I understand you're angry with me and I'm not going to rush you through that. I I want you to know that I love you even though you're angry with me and when you're ready, we can talk. Um, So the message and the anger is still something we need to look for. We still need to ask the right questions and work through that. But there can be two emotions that exist at once. Absolutely. That's such a fantastic example, Kelly. And I, I really see that so much in the horse world where I can be very angry and if I'm not 
directing it towards the horse. Um, even if the horse has made me angry, for instance, I felt like they crossed my boundary. It might elicit a feeling of anger. But if I'm able to clearly state my needs, and and even if it's in my head, but it, mm-hmm. it's allowing me to become congruent, mm-hmm. um, then I have such a better opportunity with them to move forward. And they're not holding any kind of uh, grudges about it either. No, because it's all on the table. Exactly. And it's so beautiful to then be able to apply it into human world like you're talking about with Karen, because um, it is so hard. There's so few examples of emotionally intelligent and socially intelligent relationships. Um, and it, it's it's something that I believe we really need education to get to that point it's not that we're born with these skills mm-hmm. and if anything we're taught to be the opposite yep well because as a baby you're dependent your survival is dependent on another human being so expressing those emotions and those needs has to be at an extreme level because you don't have a vocabulary for it yes exactly and so that's where i find the beauty of having this chart because we are kind of at a loss sometimes. We're not in this society or community that is really enhancing these skills in us regularly. Mm -hmm. And I love your ideas that you've brought up about having the roller decks of questions. Mm -hmm. And so this is, for me, a form of that roller decks because it's kind of giving this roadmap of what emotional intelligence could look like. And I'm not saying that these are going to be always the right questions. Every situation is going to be different. But this gives a good starting point. Well, and it teaches you that one of the responses can be a question instead of an attack. Yes, yes. And that introspection first, right? A question internally before we go into something with another. Mm -hmm. Which is a very difficult thing to do for humans. If you're living with somebody who attacks you or somebody you work with, whose first response is attack always. And, and yes, you've pointed this out so many times, especially when we were discussing um, narcissism or self-absorbed with uh, Nina Brown, mm-hmm. in that those people intentionally need and want to steal your time away from you. So you feel rushed into your response. Yes. And so what you're saying with the horses is that you sit back and become aware of what you feel. You don't try and push it away because you can't. You're saying the horse won't let you. The horse is saying it's okay to feel that, but still, what is your intention and what are we doing here? Yes, that was a perfect example to show what the work with horses can really help us develop because it is so hard with people, especially when they've kind of trained us in a way to have this feeling of I have no time, how do I set, I can't set my boundary or, you know, just feeling trapped. And so having this experiential learning piece with the horses, learning how to set a boundary with them in a way that is respectful for both parties, but also keeps you really present in the moment, compassionate, um, and paying attention to what you're physically going through, watching how what you're going through is affecting the other. It's just giving this really real-time experiential learning of embodiment of that kind of skill that I think is really important to then be able to take back to the human world because it's so hard to just start putting these things into practice um, with people who do make us feel that anxiety. Well, I can understand then when I look at other cultures on the planet in other countries, why certain countries make sure that students are able to get out into nature and around animals. It isn't just to blow time 
and to have fun, quote unquote, or waste time. They're doing it because this is the best place to learn this emotional intelligence. Yes, absolutely. And actually a huge piece of what I've learned, and I'm excited to hopefully bring to the podcast another time, is the five roles of a master herder. And that's really looking at nomadic pastoralist cultures globally and learning what the skills were that they needed to be able to live and interact with these herds of large herbivores without fencing, without restraints. What skills did it really take out of the people to do this? And how did that impact the communities? Why were they so cohesive and collaborative and peaceful together as a community? It's because they had these skills and balance. And so we can practice all of these things with the horses. So maybe we can talk about that another time. Oh, definitely. Not maybe. I so want that kind of conversation because it's something everybody's hearing that Kelly and I are trying to talk about is to raise awareness of all types of intelligence instead of valuing just science. I like science. I Mm -hmm. do want to value it, but I want to value each one equally. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. So please come back. I would be honored. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful Saturday.